Well, hello, neighbor. Uh, my name is Kyle, and we're so glad that you guys are here as we continue this series uh, called Those People. You have those people in your family. You have those people at your workplace. You have those people in your neighborhood, and you have those people in your church. So who are those people? Well, last week we talked about overly needy people, and this week we're going to talk about manipulative people. I want to remind us of this huge truth, okay? We talked about it last week. I don't want us to miss it. At one time or another, we have all been those people, and I have good news for those people. Listen to me. God loves those people. That means God loves them, and that means God loves you. I have more good news for you. Jesus died for those people. That means Jesus died for them, and that means Jesus died for you. Well, we've all had someone that's tried to manipulate us or control us. So there's an old joke that uh, supposedly takes place, you know, in heaven. And there's two lines. And there's one line uh, that St. Peter sees there. And above that line, it says, uh, for men who are controlled by their wives. And there is a line of men as long as the eye can see. And there's another line. And the sign above that line says, for men who are not controlled by their wives. And there was one fella standing all by himself in that line. And St. Peter just kind of observed the situation in this long line and this short line. So finally he walks over to the guy and said, hey, this is for men who are not controlled by their wives. What are, what are you doing over here? And the guy said, I don't know. My wife just told me to stand here and not ask any questions. <laughs> well, the holidays are going to be here before we know it. And for some of you, you're like, yay. And for some of you, you're like, yay. All right. Holidays can bring out the best in us, or they potentially can bring out the worst in us. Uh, this next story, I'll let you decide whether it's bringing out the best or the worst. It's the day before Thanksgiving. There's an older man that lives in Phoenix, and he calls his son in New York, and he tells him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are getting divorced. After 45 years, I cannot stand this misery anymore. We're sick of each other. Call your sister in Chicago and tell her. Frantic, the son gets off the phone, hops back on the phone, calls his sister, and tells his sister what's going on. His sister explodes. He said, there's no way they're getting divorced. I'll take care of this. She gets off the phone. She calls dad in Phoenix. Immediately says to her father, there is no way I'm letting you get divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back. We're getting plane tickets. We'll be there tomorrow. Don't do anything till I get there. The man hung up his phone, turned to his wife and said, Okay, honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving and they're buying the plane tickets. <laughs> so what is manipulation? Let me give you kind of a working definition this morning because we all struggle with it one way or another. And that is this, the act of controlling people or circumstances by indirect, unfair, or deceptive means, especially to one's own advantage. Again, it says, by the act of controlling people or circumstances by indirect, unfair, or deceptive means, especially to one's own 
advantage. Well, let, give me, uh, let me give you three big ways that people normally go about manipulation. Uh, the first word I want to put up here is flattery. This is definitely one of those that people use all the time. You know, you're so good looking. Can I have some of your french fries? Right? I mean, all these things that we say to make people feel good so that we can get what we want out of them. At work, you potentially call them the brown noser or the suck up. Um, how about this next one? Flattery and then threats. Threats. If you don't, I won't. Okay? And this next one, guilt. People use it all the time to get what they want. They say things like, after all I've done for you, I'm not going to eat for a week because you won't. All these things that people say to us. Some people will even use the Christian card on us. They'll know that we're a Christian, and they'll say, well, if you were a real Christian, you would. And they throw guilt our way. Uh, as we think about flattery and threats and guilt, just some more things and phrases that people say and things that people do. They say things like, you owe me. Things like, I'm not talking to you anymore. The old silent treatment. you got to love that one, right? Let's go back to junior high, correct? Oh, what did I just say? Manipulation is immature, okay? All these things that we do. Pouting, rolling over in bed. Locking the door. How about the slammed drawer or the slammed door or the slammed phone? This is one I miss. You know what I'm saying? The phones these days, it's just not the same effect. It's just not the same, is it? Things we do to say, oh, and get people's attention to get what we want. The roll of the eyes, the audible sigh. The grunt or groan. Nobody in this room knows what I'm talking about, right? By the way, I didn't have to look all these up. These are things that I do. <laughs> How about this one? This is getting kind of real and up close. Withholding affection. Wow. If you don't do what I want, what I want, I won't give you a bit of attention. How about the, these? When people are intentionally slow. Intentionally late, intentionally forgetful to prove a point, to get what they want. Tears, sniffles, extended crying. If you don't do what I want, I'm going to fall apart. Flattery, threats, and guilt. Let me give you two things that I believe all of this ultimately comes from. Okay, Two things that all of this ultimately comes from. The first one is this. The first one is selfishness. Now, I'm going to warn you about this because you and I both are completely, totally, fully capable and susceptible to being selfish. I don't know about you, but I like me, and I like what I like, and I want what I want. And if I'm not careful, I will find myself being so selfish, wanting what I want, trying to get what I want to get, that I will move over into manipulation to get it. You've got to be really, really careful with selfishness. The next one is control. <laughs> know any control freaks? No elbows can be thrown at this moment. Some of you are too afraid to do it anyway, right? Control freaks. We just want to be in charge. We want things to go the way we want them to go. I have that desire. You have that desire. Selfishness can creep in. And if we're not careful, selfishness and control can take over in us and we can become a manipulative 
person. And I think all of us, no matter what our personality is, I think all of us at one time or another, we find ourselves manipulating others. But there are some people that are just manipulating people. It's just who they are, and it's what they do. They are so dominated by their selfish, selfishness and their need for control. Um, this next thing, uh, we all have the desire for. It's not a bad thing, but it's something to be very, very careful with, and that is this need for approval. I want to put this word approval up there. You desire approval. I desire approval. Your spouse desires approval. Your family members desire approval. Your kids desire approval. Your boss desires approval. That sounds weird to say out loud, doesn't it? Everybody desires approval. And again, nothing wrong with it, but we have to be really, really careful with it. Because the approval that we seek and how we seek their approval determines a lot about our lives. Who tells you what to do is in control of your life. Now, let me just go ahead and pause right here. Kids in the room, like if you're still living at home, hopefully you're a kid if you're still living at home. Kids, let me make this easy for you. Your parents are supposed to tell you what to do. All the parents are supposed to amen really, really big right there. That was your moment, parents. Like... I gave it to you. So you don't even have to think, like, are they being manipulative or not? No, they're being your parent. They're doing their God-given role in your life by telling you what to do. Okay? Adults, your boss is supposed to tell you what to do. Got really quiet on that one, right? Because what we're talking about right now is not letting go of leadership, not letting go of motivation, not letting go of given responsibility. We're not talking about that. We're talking about manipulation and us finding ourselves craving approval so bad that we are willing to allow people to sigh or to grunt or to groan or to threaten us and we do everything they want us to do. We've got to be very, very careful with it. Be careful. Um, let's look at Judges chapter 16. And in Judges chapter 16, we're going to see an incredible, wild story. Every time I read it, I'm just like, what in the world is going on here? Um, it's by a fairly well-known um, guy in the Bible. The story is about a well-known guy in the Bible. His name's Samson. I think that um, up north they had a big show about him, and I hear it's really, really good. Um, anyway, the whole idea of Samson is God picked Samson to do something really, really good for his nation. It ultimately free them from the bondage and, uh, and all of the uh, things that were coming from this other nation. That's what God's plan was for Samson. Well, Samson along the way made some decisions. And in his decision-making, Samson made some really poor decisions. And ultimately, what we're going to see here in Judges chapter 16, it literally landed him in the lap of manipulation. It landed him in the lap of manipulation. Look at Judges chapter 16, beginning in verse number 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. This is not the lady that's on the radio all the time. This is from Scripture, all right. Who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, so the Philistines at this time, they're the bad guys. Samson is like the good guys trying to help his nation, the nation of Israel. The Philistines have bringing all this pain and all this suffering onto the Israelites. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So we got all kinds of things going on in this story. Verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take 
to secure you, uh, to tie you up securely. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings. She tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house. That's weird. Like a lot of ways, right? That's weird. The story just gets weirder, just so you know. And she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. After Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. I thought about trying to mimic her voice right there, but you probably can imagine what it sounds like without me ruining the moment for you. Verse number 11. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes, tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the room as before, and Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Now, I don't know who's really manipulating who at this point, but it's going both ways. Can we agree with that? Verse number 13, messed up stuff. Then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wore, uh, wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Then she tightened it with the loom shuttle and cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah pouted. Pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Verse 16, holy moly. She tormented him with her nagging, Day after day until he was sick to death of it. You ever had somebody in your life where that, you said that about them? It's been day after day and I'm, just, I'm sick at whatever i got to do to get them off my back. I'm just sick of this. Verse 17. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved... My strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. And if you know the backstory, that was the secret of his strength. God said, if you don't shave your head, if you don't cut your hair, the length of your hair is going to bring you strength. And so he has finally been worn down through manipulation and all these tactics, and finally he's given it up. And Samson's life at this point takes on a direction that it never should have taken. And it ultimately brings about his demise, and it ultimately brings about him going in a direction where he can't do what God intended for him to do. Listen, if you're not careful, you will experience something similar in your life, and you will miss out on the direction and purpose of God and allow others to guide you, direct you, and pull strings on your life, and you miss out on the purpose. Listen, I want to give you this big idea this morning, and that is this, okay? Our purpose is to please God. Our purpose is to please God. It's when earlier when I said kids, 
obey your parents. The reason why I tell you that is because your purpose, even as a kid, is to please God. And God says in Ephesians, he says, for you to obey your parents. It's the reason why adults, I told you to obey your boss. In the scripture, God says one thing you're supposed to do, among many other things, is to do what your boss says. Our purpose is to please God. God, what do you want? I'm going to do it. My job in life is not to please everybody else. My job in life is not to please other people who think that they can get from me what they want. My purpose is to please God. And Samson got so wrapped up in this deal, so such a warped thing going on right there, such dysfunction in this relationship that ultimately he sacrificed his whole purpose and his whole plan that God had in front of him. Listen to me, when you're doing the will of another, you're probably not doing the will of God. When you're doing the will of another, you're probably not doing the will of God. So if you're a believer and you're being manipulated, not only do you feel the pressure and the weight and the power of the manipulation on your life, you're also feeling this angst in your soul knowing as you're giving in to the manipulation of this other person, you are not being obedient to your God. And so it's a deep, deep thing that's going on. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 10. I'll look at about four verses of scripture here. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 10. Paul is writing. Paul was an incredible leader within the early church, doing incredible things. He was bold. Um, he was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. He was under a lot of pressure at this point by people from within the church and from without the church to do certain things their way. And so they were saying all kinds of things about him. They were making up all kinds of stories about him. They were saying all kinds of things to get him to cave into the pressure to do things their way. They were trying to manipulate Paul. Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 10. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Man, a lot was said in verse number 10. In other words, that's not my purpose in life. That's not what God called me to do. That's not what Jesus redeemed me to do. That's not why I'm following Jesus, so that I can just cower down to the wants of other people. I'm here to please God. Now, he didn't do this to be rude or to be mean or to be demeaning to other people, but he was saying, you know what? God is my king. He is my master, and he is my Lord, and I'm going to be his servant, and I'm going to do what he asks me to do. And some of you need to know right now that that is your highest calling in life. Your highest calling in life is to do what God is leading you, guiding you in his word, directing you to do. That is your calling in life. Look at another passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1. The verse begins with the word so, and it's in chapter 2. And chapter 2 always follows chapter 1. All right, you guys are awake. Chapter 1. So a lot's been said in chapter 1. So much in 1 Peter chapter 1 is being said about Jesus, about his sacrifice, about his work on the cross, about his resurrection, about our faith being placed in him, and as a result being taken out of sin into new life and being born again. Our lives as believers, if you're a Christian today, your life has forever been changed. So chapter 2 verse number 1 says, So... Since you have been redeemed, since you have been saved, since you have been brought out of your sins, since that, get rid of all evil behavior, be dumb with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. We're going to talk about hypocrisy next week. Listen to me. Manipulation is deceitfulness. It is deceitfulness. 
You are doing things underhanded to get what you want from another human being. You are treating them like your puppet. You are treating them like a slave. And the Word of God says, don't do it. It calls it an evil behavior. So manipulation, as we've been defining it and talking about it in its truest form, is evil behavior. And you've got to stop it. You've got to stop it. Manipulation and deceit always, always are wrong. The Bible says we should renounce it and, and not have anything to do with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beautiful passage about love. Notice this one phrase in verse number 5 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says of love, love, it does not demand its own way. If somebody pulls the love card on you to get from you what they want, it's not real biblical love. I'm going to say that again. If someone pulls the love card on you to get what they want from you, it's not real biblical love. Real godly love does not demand its own way. Am I speaking to some husbands right now? Am I speaking to some wives right now? Absolutely I am. Don't you dare play the love card to get what you want. Love does not demand its own way. Anybody else besides me feel a little bit <clears throat> convicted right now? Because we thought we were going to be talking about those people, right? And it seems like we're talking about this person. Romans chapter 16. Look at verse 17 and 18. This is an incredible couple of verses of Scripture that we can learn some incredible um, uh, principles from. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out. Pay attention. Watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Pause. Here's what he's saying. If someone comes along and teaches you another gospel besides the death, burial, and resurrection, and faith and faith alone in him for salvation, he said, watch out for them. If they teach anything else that is contrary to what the scripture teaches, he says, Watch out for them because they are trying to divide you. They are trying to cut you down. They are trying to hurt the church. They're trying to hurt your life. And look what it goes on to say at the end of verse 17. Stay away from them. Woo! What does he mean by stay away from them? I'm going to assume he means stay away from them. I think sometimes we want the scripture to mean something and it's just there. If you're hanging out with people that are trying to teach you something, trying to get in with you and manipulate you, deceive you away from the gospel or the way of following Jesus, here's what it says. Stay away from them. It goes on, verse number 18. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. People. Now, obviously, he has elevated the gospel here to say that it's all about the gospel and everything's got to flow through the gospel. But the principle that we're also seeing here is if you have manipulating people in your life that are trying to get you off track, to get them on your track, they don't care whether it's Jesus or not, just they're trying to get you to go in their direction. He's saying you should stay away from them. Glowing words, nice things, always making you feel a certain way. He says you need to stay away. Away from them. Again, our purpose is to please God. It's to please God. So what do we do when we recognize that we're being manipulated or we're in the midst of a manipulative situation with people that has thrown us off of God's plan for our life? 
Well, I'm going to give you three things to help you break the power of manipulation. They're prayers, similar to what we talked about last week, some prayers to break this power of manipulation. Number one, God, help me to recognize when someone is trying to manipulate me. God, help me to recognize when someone is trying to manipulate me. Now, some of you may be reading that and be like, that's so silly, are you kidding me? Like, you can see it from a mile away. Listen to me, there are some of us in this room that have been a part of dysfunctional relationships so long that we don't even recognize it anymore. And the Spirit of God needs to illuminate your heart, your eyes, and your mind to realize that you are being manipulated to the point that you are no longer following the plan of Jesus for your life. You're following JoJo's plan over here who thinks they know what's best. God, help us to understand and recognize when we are being manipulated. So a couple of ideas here for you to consider to kind of recognize um, and know that you're being manipulated, okay? How do you know if you're being manipulated? Here's one. You often feel guilty and find it hard to say no. With that particular person, you often feel guilty around them for not doing what they want, and you find it really, really hard to say no. If that's a reality for you around particular people, it's very possible that they are manipulating you. This next one is so important. Another way that you can know that you're being manipulated. You compromise your values to please others. You compromise your values to please others. Listen to me. If your boyfriend wants to do things that you don't want to do, he is trying to manipulate you. If your friends are trying to get you to do things that you know are wrong, they are trying to manipulate you. If your family member always makes you feel bad so they can get what they want from you, they are probably manipulating you. God, give this group of people right here, all of us, the wisdom to see it and to recognize it. Okay? Some of you are like, I recognize it very clearly in my life right now. It's there. It's glaring. So what am I supposed to do about it? Let me give you the second prayer. God, empower me to put healthy boundaries in place. God, empower me. Spirit of God moves into our lives when we place our faith in Christ. He moves into our lives, not just to give us a fuzzy feeling, not just to make us some, you know, um, uh, spiritual person. He moves into our lives for just these situations, to give us the power and the wisdom and the wherewithal to know what to do, and in this situation, how to put boundaries in place. Some of you, you don't even think about saying no. Your answer is always yes, even before they ask it, because you don't think it's worth going through everything you're going to have to go through if you say no. I'm not talking about you love them and they love you and you've got one of these just symbiotic relationships. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who just has worn you down to the point that all you ever do is say yes and you have no boundaries. And you are mentally, physically, maybe even financially exhausted because you have no boundaries in place. Again, what we need to do is to put some boundaries in place. Now, we're talking about boundaries. We're not talking about flipping this. We're not talking about the manipulated becoming the manipulator. No, 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 no. We're not talking about threats. We're not talking about doing all these other moves. We're talking about being forthright and clear in communication and saying, this is not acceptable anymore. 
and I'm not doing this anymore. Okay, you can say to them something like, you can keep flopping like a fish on the floor, you're not getting the candy. Some of you think that's a parent talking to the kid, that is the wife talking to the husband. <laughs> At some point, you just got to say, you know what, you can do whatever you're going to do, but it's just not going to work. Most people, not all people, and if you think the idea of this is we're going to like fix every manipulator out there, you're wrong. We're just trying to help those of you who are being manipulated right now. Most people, though, that will startle them. It will arrest their attention to realize, oh, this isn't going to work anymore. Okay? You can say things like, you can give me the silent treatment. You can pout. You can walk away. I'm still going to love you, but it's not going to work anymore. You can say things like, you can follow through on your threats. I'm not giving in anymore. Are they really not going to eat for a week? Are they really not going to eat for a week? And let's face it, if they choose not to eat for a week, they've got deeper issues that they need serious, serious help with. But you cannot allow them to control you anymore. They're not your Lord. They're not the ruler of your life. You can say things like, you can threaten to fire me, but I'm not going to compromise my values. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'll gladly do what I need to do for you, but I will not be manipulated. I'm not going to allow you to control me anymore. That sounds like a really easy conversation, doesn't it? Pray to God that he will empower you. Okay? You may need to get some wisdom. You may need to bring in some people that you know love Jesus and that are truly for you and you following Jesus who are not manipulative to give you some counsel, to give you some wisdom in this. But some of you, you need to draw a line in the sand. You just say, you know what? Love you. Always going to love you. But we're, we're not functioning this way anymore. Not healthy for me. Not healthy for you. Not doing it. Number three. God help me see my own need to control and surrender everything to you. God help me to see my own need to control and surrender everything to you. We need to stop manipulating situations and people to get ahead. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we need to trust that God is the one who brings our reward. Did you hear what I said? We've got to stop manipulating situations and people to get what we want. And we have to come to a place as followers of Jesus say, you know what? I trust you for what is best. Isaiah 26, verse 3 through 4. Okay, Isaiah 26, verse, 20, uh, verse 3 and verse 4. Great two verses. Whether you are the manipulator or the manipulated, listen to it. You, God, will keep in perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Some of us are longing for peace right now in our hearts and in our lives. Some of us are the manipulator and we have no peace in our lives because all of our thoughts are fixed on how do I get what I want from them? And you're eaten up with it. And you're driven by it. So it keeps you awake at night trying to figure it out so that you can get what you want. You need to fix your thoughts on the Lord. Okay? Maybe you're the manipulated. 
and you are eaten up wondering, what are they going to come at with me next? What am I going to have to do next? How far am I going to go? have to go? What, what values of mine are going to be compromised tomorrow because I know they're going to demand this of me, and if I don't give in to them, they'll leave, they'll fire me, they'll walk away, they'll do whatever. And we've got to trust that the Lord is our eternal rock, our foundation, the one in whom we trust. Seeking the Lord's presence and the Lord's pleasure above everyone and every thing else. There's no need to manipulate. There's no need to deceive when you're trusting the Lord. Have you ever had some of those seasons in your life where you just, you just were all out for Jesus? And maybe everything in your life was chaotic, but you just said, you know what, God, I believe in you and I trust you right now in this peace that passes all, help me out, all understanding comes over your soul. You ever had one of those moments? It's one of those seasons where it doesn't make any sense, but like you said, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not going the way of manipulation. I'm not going to manipulate others. I'm not going to be manipulated. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but God, I believe that you're good, and I'm going to trust you. And he brings this peace. It's just what he does. Think about this for just a moment. God knows everything about you. (laughs) Some of you are kind of worried when I say that, right? You're like, what does he know? I know enough, and you know enough about me to know we're messed up, right? He knows everything about you, and he doesn't hold it against you. Think about manipulators. Everything they have on you, they use to their own advantage, don't they? And yet Jesus, knowing everything about you, decides to lay his life down on the cross for you. He accepts you, and he wants you. Jesus is definitely not a manipulator. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is our forgiver. When's the last time that manipulative person forgave you? Manipulation and forgiveness just don't go together. Jesus is the forgiver. He's our grace giver. He sacrificed everything for us. So I say it again. Our purpose is to please God. Why? Because he is these things. He is our Savior, and he is our hope. Some next steps to consider as we wrap up our time this morning. Maybe for you, it's to break the power of manipulation by, and it's got three dots out there. Maybe for you, it's, it's by praying and living out the answer to one of the prayers that we gave. Maybe for you, it's just to recognize it. Maybe for you, it's to set some boundaries with the wisdom of God. Maybe for you, it's just to trust God in whatever situation you are to say, you know what, you're in control and I'm not, and this is not going to happen anymore. Break the power of manipulation by allowing God to answer those prayers in your life. And maybe for you, your next step today is just to surrender to Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, you are a manipulator because you want certain things so bad and you think the only way that you can get What you need is through manipulation. And yet we understand that Jesus is our provider and trusting him is the way in which you need to go. Maybe, just maybe, you have forgotten how powerful and how strong Jesus really is and you are the manipulated and you are allowing other people to manipulate you, believing that if you don't do what they want, you're going to end up in a worse situation than you are and you just need to surrender to Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to obey you above everyone and everything else. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time today.
I pray that you would remove the spirit of manipulation from our hearts and from our lives. Father, for the manipulator, I pray that you'd help them to understand that at its core it is selfish and it is deceitful and it's wrong. And I pray that you'd break our hearts where they need to be broken to recognize that. I pray that we would, as manipulators, set all of that aside, repent of it, and trust you. I pray for the manipulated. I pray for the the people in the room that maybe just need to recognize it's even happening to them, that you give them awareness, and then you give them the boldness and the direction from the Spirit on how to set boundaries. I pray you put good people around them to shore them up and to encourage them in that. I pray you'd prepare them for all of that because it's not going to be easy, but you are our Lord. You are our master. No one else is. And so help us to live in that way and help us all to trust in you. Help us to remember that you are our Savior. Jesus, you came here knowing everything about us and you sacrificed everything for us so that we could have life, so that we could have forgiveness, and so that we could have salvation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.